Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, youth. I'm so proud of you. I know it's not easy to get up in front of a group of people and to talk and pray and present, but I'm proud of you guys and thankful for the way God is working in your life. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you turn to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1. Bobby, can we have the lights uh, up on the stage, please? Daniel chapter 1, as you're finding that. You know, life is filled with tests. Tests are a big deal. I read in the Charlotte Observer this past Tuesday that our state spent $4.6 million to give about 100,000 11th graders a four-hour ACT exam. So for four hours, they took an exam, about over 100,000 of them, and it cost us $4.6 million. You know, whether it's the uh, ACT or the SAT or end of grade exams, tests are a big deal. Now, I've been on both sides of testing. I've taken plenty of tests. And as a former Christian school teacher, I've given tests. Uh, in fact, tests have been on my mind this week. This past week, I had a, a big test. I had my midterm uh, in seminary on a class in ecclesiology. Uh, but you know what? Tests are not just for the classroom. Uh, They don't just come during the years of schooling. In fact, life is filled with tests. They come all throughout life. Uh, While living here upon the earth, we never graduate past them. Uh, They come regularly. Uh, They often come without warning. And to be honest with you, some of these tests are downright hard. Today, I want to look at a young man with you that faced An incredible test of faith. And we find this story in Daniel chapter 1. And as we examine the test that he underwent, we're going to also examine ourselves and give ourselves a test. And the test only has three questions on it. But don't get too concerned because I'm not going to grade your paper. Okay? We're going to take the test together. So let's read Daniel chapter 1. Then we'll come back and we'll look at this test together as we think about will you pass the test. Daniel chapter 1. Uh, Beginning at verse one in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenash, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies And of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, 
nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the, of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. Verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. At the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate uh, the portion of the king's delicacies. Then thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said to them, they should be brought in. The chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, therefore they serve before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these young people. Thank you for this youth group. Thank you that you're working in their hearts and lives. Thank you that as a church family, we can have a part in what you're doing. I pray your richest blessings upon them and their leaders. I pray that you bless their families. I pray that you bless this time in your word. Help us to be open to the leading of thy Holy Spirit right now. May you receive all honor and glory for what we're about to look at and what we're about to do in Jesus name. Amen. All right. You ready for the test? Question Number one. Are you nervous? Some people get nervous when it comes to test time. Question number one. How will you respond when your world is turned upside down? How will you respond when your world is turned upside down? This first question deals with the theme of crisis. How will you respond when crisis comes into your life? Now, Daniel chapter one opens with some very somber and sad words. Nebuchadnezzar is coming and captured Jerusalem just as God said that he would. In fact, it was prophesied. If you go back to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, verses 8 through 11. Listen to what God says in Jeremiah 25, 8 through 11. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you've not heard my words. Behold, I will send and take all families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 
years. Now think about that, 70 years. And in our passage in verse number 2, it notice it was God who gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, and these things into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And we notice now how Daniel fits into the picture. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar said to them to go and to find some young men to bring. They might serve me. And literally overnight, Daniel's world was turned upside down. Now, listen, Daniel had a lot going for him, had a lot going for him. He was of royal descent. The Bible says here he was good looking. He was smart. He was a quick learner. He was socially adept, able to serve in the king's palace. He was quite the young man. Now, listen. Especially you teenagers, listen. He was probably somewhere between 13 and 16 years old when this took place. He was just a teenager, between 13 and 16 years old. How many of you are 16? Anybody? 14? 15? All right, so you get the idea of how old he was. Now, listen, things were good for Daniel. In fact, they were so good, he probably had a life is good sticker on his bicycle and another one on his backpack. I mean, things were great for him. I mean, good looking, smart, intelligent, socially adept. But overnight. Everything, well, well, almost everything changed for Daniel. Now, listen, he lost his freedom. He was taken captive. Uh, No doubt he lost his parents. And he was marched off to a strange land, a place called Babylon. So think about it. He's in a new land, Babylon. He's in a new school. He's in the University of Babylon, if you will. He's, in tra- he's, he's, he's entered into this training process. He's given a new language to learn. He's even given a new name. Now think about it. Somebody might take you captive and take some things away from you. But imagine very literally taking and giving you a brand new name. Now Daniel's... And his friends' original names, they were names that honored God, Jehovah, our God. But the names that they were given were names that honored false deities and false gods. And so they're taken and placed in this this new land with a new language and new school and new name. And everything that was familiar was stripped away from them. They were entered into a new way of life. They did everything they could to tear away everything that was familiar to Daniel and his friends. They worked very hard to squeeze Daniel and them into the Babylonian mold. And so the question is, how did he respond? How did Daniel respond when his world was turned upside down? Did he curse God and grow bitter? No. Did he ignore God and become complacent and say, well, I don't even care? No. Did he forget God and conform to the culture and, and try to do everything just like the Babylonians did? No. You see, they took away almost everything from Daniel. Listen, they didn't take away Daniel's faith in Jehovah God. Daniel had a good foundation, a very good foundation before the crisis test came. Now, here's the question. Where did he get that good foundation from? I'd like to suggest he got it from his parents. They had given him a name that honored God. Daniel means God is my judge. And I believe that Daniel's parents taught him the scripture and taught him about Jehovah from a very early age. On Wednesday nights in the adult class, we've been studying uh, numbers in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, here's what the Bible says. 
Uh, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Listen, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, parents, I want you to teach your children my words, God's word. Just when you're out and about, when you're talking, when you're driving along in the carriage, whatever, I want you to talk about and teach them about me. And that's the same today, parents. You know, sometimes parents, I think, believe they have to have a theology degree to train their children. No, just talk about God and the things of everyday life. When you see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, say, isn't our God good to give us that? That declares the glory of the Lord. When something happens, take them to the word of God. Teach them. You see, Daniel did not start living for God when he got to Babylon. He was already living for God when he was in Jerusalem. He had a good foundation. Now, understand this. This has been said very eloquently. A crisis doesn't make a man. It reveals a man. Crisis doesn't make a man. It reveals a man. It's well illustrated by a cup of hot tea. Now, I've got a confession to make today. I'm going to come clean before you. I was born in North Carolina. I was raised in North Carolina, or if you want to be more proper, reared in North Carolina. And for years, my philosophy when it came to tea was simply this. If you've got ice, why drink it hot? That was my philosophy. But my wife finally wore me down and, and, and converted me to hot tea. Now, I still enjoy cold tea. But I enjoy a cup of hot tea in the morning. Now, to make hot tea, it's very simple. You take hot water, you take a tea bag, I mean, it's so simple I can do it, and you put the tea bag and the hot water, and there you leave it. You can kind of play with it a little bit and get it to come out. And here's the key listen the hot water just brings out what's in the tea bag. So you've got a cup of Earl Grey tea. When you put it in the hot water, Earl Grey tea is going to come out. If you've got Food Lion brand tea, put it in the hot water, Food Lion brand is going to come out. If you've got Walmart brand, it's not called Equate, is it? No, it's the medicine, right? Whatever Walmart brand is. You, you put it in there, and the Walmart brand comes out. See, the hot water doesn't change what's in the tea bag. It just shows and reveals and brings out what's already in there. And guess what? That's what crises does in our life. Crisis in our lives. We're thrown in that hot water and it doesn't make us act a certain way. It doesn't cause us to. It merely shows what we truly are. It brings out what's on the inside. See, Daniel and his friends, they were dropped in hot water. I mean, their world was turned upside down. And you know what that hot water did? It simply showed them for what they were. Godly, young people. Now, teenagers, I want you to listen to me. I, don't, I can't tell you what the crises are that you're going to face in your life. I don't know what testings and trials and hot water may come your way. But I can tell you this. You want to make sure... You want to make sure that you have Jesus with you in those times. Make sure you have Jesus. Do you know him today? This is for anybody here. Do you know him today? Have you given him your life? 
Have you turned from your sin and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, let me invite you to do that today. To realize you're lost, you're undone, you cannot save yourself, you're headed for hell. And Jesus died in your place, he shed his blood for you. He was buried, he rose again victorious, and because he lives, you can live. And today, you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. He will save you. How will you respond when your world is turned upside down? Well, really, that's going to depend on what took place and what has taken place prior to that crisis in your life. Question number one. Now, ready for question two? It's only three. Will you obey God when it is hard and inconvenient? Will you obey God when it is hard and inconvenient? This deals in the area of convictions. Those things that are non-negotiable. Those things that are settled and stable and already decided in your life. Are there some things in your life that you've already made up your mind about? And they're convictions of yours. No matter what may happen, you're going to act a certain way. Now, now Daniel faced a tough situation in so many ways, but it got harder because he was given a new menu and the prescribed diet that he was supposed to eat. Now, look at verse five. It says, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies that the wine which he drank and three years of training for them. So at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. So listen, this was not crickets, Jesse. This was not uh, anchovies. This is this was not just stuff. Maybe they liked anchovies. I don't know. Maybe you like it. But this was not stuff that we say, oh, you know, liver mush or or y'all like liver mush. They had it on special at the, at the diner. I'm glad I didn't go for breakfast that morning. But anyway, uh, this was the best. I mean, this was the best cut of steak. This was the best everything. This is the king's food fit for a king. That was their diet prescribed diet. In verse number eight, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Now, here's the question. What's the big deal with this diet? Why is it? Is Daniel just I'm a vegetarian? I'm a vegan. I don't eat that. No. That's not what it's about. Two main reasons that Daniel would not eat. Number one would be the Jewish dietary laws. Much of this probably was not kosher. It did not line up with what God had said is is clean and unclean. And so he'd be eating things that God had said unclean. But here's the other one. This food was more than likely offered to false gods. It had been sacrificed to false gods. And so to eat of this food would be to honor their false gods. Now, Daniel could take a new language and Daniel could even take a new name and Daniel could take a new school and he could take a new land and all these other things. But when it came to disobeying God's word, Daniel drew a line in the sand and he says, listen, I will not defile myself. Now, this choice was not easy. It was not convenient. In fact, it was downright dangerous. King Nebuchadnezzar was not a man that you played around with. He would kill you in a heartbeat. In fact, when Daniel talked to the chief of the eunuchs, look at what he said in verse 10. 
Here's what one of Nebuchadnezzar's servants said. I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. Nebuchadnezzar didn't play around. We see it later as you keep reading uh, the book of Daniel. Now, Now notice what Daniel did. He was a young man of character. He was a young man of conviction. But he was also a courteous young man. I want you to notice that he did not demand his way. He did not go on a hunger strike. He did not lead an Occupy Babylon movement. Uh, uh, he, didn't, he didn't write the letter, a letter to the newspaper editor. He didn't put signs up in front of the dorm. Uh, he simply made a request of those above him, those in authority. Look at verse 8 again at the latter part. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Look at Daniel chapter 11, verse, uh, excuse me, Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them be, let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Very courteous. To those in authority above him. Now think about this. Here's what Daniel was saying. Please take away the best food in the kingdom. Take all that away. And May we only have vegetables and water. That's what Daniel asked for. Now, we know from reading the story that God blessed them. They passed the test uh, with flying colors and they went on the vegetable and water diet and God used it. Now, you might be thinking this question. Preacher, so what? So what? I mean, what's such a small thing, what he ate and what he drank. I mean, that's way long ago. What does that mean to me today? What does that have to do with us? We're about to go eat spaghetti and all. I mean, we're not worried about all this. What does this mean to us? Now, don't miss this key. Listen carefully. If you're not faithful in small matters, you'll not be faithful in large ones. If you're not faithful in the little things of life, you'll not be faithful in the big things either. Later, Daniel's going to face the lion's den. One of the most well-known Bible stories, probably. Daniel the lion's den. You know what? He never would have made it to the lion's den and through the lion's den if he'd not faced the dining room first. If he'd not dealt with this area of his life first. If Daniel and his friends would have said, you know what? Listen, guys, I mean, we're here. And we didn't have any choice in this matter. And they marched us off. We're in a new land, new language, new everything. Let's just eat, drink, be merry. Let's just live it up. If they had done that, I don't think we'd be ever reading about Daniel and his friends. Because you know what? Obviously, more than just Daniel and his three friends came out of Jerusalem and were in captivity and bondage. And we don't know their names today, do we? They've been long forgotten. But these four, we still know their names. Daniel dared to be different. And by doing so, Daniel made a difference. Take heed to the little things in life. Obey God in the small matters of life so he can use you in greater matters. Be faithful in those little things. Start now. Start while you're young. Start when you're a teenager. Remember, Daniel and his friends, probably somewhere between 13 and 16 years old at this time. And I mean, their world is turned upside down. But they said, listen, we're going to obey God. We're going to honor God. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12 says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example in word and conduct, in love and spirit and faith and in purity. 
Honor God now. So I'm just young. God wants to use your life like he used Daniel. I started preaching when I was 16 years old. In fact, praise God, I'll celebrate next month, 20 years in the gospel ministry. And I started at a very young age. Do you realize that most of your major decisions in life are made while you're young? Y'all ever thought about that? Listen, most people come to Christ at a young age. The majority of people now, you can come to Christ at any age, but the majority come at a young age. You're probably going to choose your vocation, what you're going to do for a living at a young age. You're going to choose your spouse, your husband or your wife at a young age, probably. You're going to set your future course at a young age. Make up your mind that like Daniel and his friends, you're going to be pure. You're not going to defile yourself. You're going to live a life that honors God. You're going to obey God even when it's hard, when it's inconvenient. And when everybody else is going the world's way and the wrong way, make up your mind, God helping me, I'm going to go the right way. I'm going to go God's way. Make up your mind that you're going to stay pure before marriage. Make up your mind you're not going to take the first sip of alcohol. Make up your mind you're not going to take that first hit of drugs. Make up your mind you're not going to take that first puff of cigarettes. Make up your mind you're not going to take that first look at pornography. Make up your mind now while you're long, young that these are matters. I'm going to settle these now before God. Once and for all, I'm going to live a life that honors God. God, you help me. I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to live for you. Maybe you say, well, preacher, I've already messed up in some of those. Well, Confess it for the Lord and make up your mind now from here on out. You're going to live a life that honors God. Surround yourself. Listen, surround yourself with godly friends. It's a great help when you have those helping you on the things of God. You see, these four, Daniel, Hananiah, uh, uh, Mishael, Azariah, these friends encourage one another and help one another. Become a young person of, of character and conviction and live for God. Amen. That was weak. That was pathetic. Not even asked again. I'm afraid you may not be any better at that. Amen. Amen. Question three. Final question. We've already talked about the area of crisis and conviction. Now, question three. Will you behave the same? No matter where you find yourself. Will you behave the same no matter where you find yourself? This deals in the area of consistency or integrity. See, Daniel was a man of character in the midst of crisis. He was a man of conviction in the midst of temptation. But he's also a man of consistency in the face of extreme pressure. You see, at the end of this three years of schooling, there was the end of the course exam. And the final test, obviously, was an oral examination that took place in front of none other than King Nebuchadnezzar himself. Look at verse 18. Now, at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I want you to get in your mind's eye what that was like. Here's the most powerful man in the kingdom. He could snap his fingers or just nod and take your head off your shoulders. He didn't play around. He's going to be examining you 
and you stand before him. Verse 19. Then the king interviewed them. Final test. For this season of their life. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were on his realm. Then Daniel continued into the first year of King Cyrus. In other words, Daniel continued through all of Nebuchadnezzar's and Babylon's kingdom into Cyrus's kingdom and on. God had blessed these three young men. And no doubt they, they studied. They applied themselves. Don't forget that. And that's part of life. We prepare ourselves. I didn't dare click on that exam, this midterm this past week, till we had sat down and I'd studied and, and got my wife to quiz me and gone over the answers. But at the same time, we just pray, God, help me to remember what I studied. And uh, they say, you know, prayer's not in school. There'll always be prayer in school. As long as there's tests in school, uh, there'll be prayer in school. First Samuel 2.30 says this. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it for me. For, listen, for those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. They had honored God and God now was honoring them. They were consistent. Uh, now, that doesn't mean because God's honoring them, their life was going to be easy and always a bed of roses and, and that kind of thing. Their future, there was a lion's den in Daniel's future. There was a hot, burning, fiery furnace for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. What I want you to see is their consistency. They were men of God through and through. Well, they were back in the dorm with their, all the other guys, or they were standing in front of the monarch, the king of, of the kingdom. Now, sad to say, we have a lot of chameleon Christians today. You, you know what a chameleon is, right? Uh, those lizards. You might want to stick one of those in your mouth, Jesse. That would be uh, interesting, uh, again, to say the least. But listen, there are some chameleons that can change colors to match their surroundings. Do you know a lot of Christians do the same thing? If I'm with this group of people... I'm going to act this way. And if I'm with that group of people, I'm going to act this way. So at church, at youth group, I'm going to be one type of person. But back in the locker room at school, I'm going to be somebody else. And at home, I'm going to be somebody else. And out with a crowd, I'm going to be somebody else. A chameleon Christian. I thought that was a lot kinder and nicer way of saying it than what it really is. It's hypocrisy. It's playing a game. You'll never make a difference for Jesus Christ living like that. None of us will. You'll never make a difference for Christ. We need to be consistent. Men and women of integrity. Daniel was consistent. He was the same man no matter where he was, no matter what was going on. Now, later on, he said, don't, don't pray or you're going to you know, throw him in the lion's den. He says he prayed as he had before. He was already doing it. He didn't start that day. He'd been doing it all those years. He's still doing it. No matter what was happening, read through the book and you'll see. Teenagers, may I boldly, may I boldly challenge you to dare to be a Daniel. May I challenge you today to and exhort you to live your life and your whole life for the Lord Jesus Christ. May I encourage you 
to trust him even when your world is turned upside down. May I challenge you to obey him even when it's hard and inconvenient and unpopular. And may I challenge you and exhort you to love him and to live for him no matter where you are, no matter who you're with. Will you be a person of consistency and character and conviction for the Lord Jesus Christ? Daniel passed the test. Now, here's the question for all of us today. Will you pass the test? Will you pass the test? Character. Conviction. Consistency. A godly life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to thank you for your attention today. While your head is bowed and your eyes is closed, I want to ask just a couple questions. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, we want to invite you today to come and allow us to lead you to the Lord Jesus. In a moment when we sing, we would invite you to come, whether you're a teenager, maybe you're younger, maybe you're whatever your age is. We would invite you to come today to find Christ, the Savior and Lord. And then as I've been preaching today, maybe God, the Holy Spirit, maybe you say, I'm already saved, preacher. But God, the Holy Spirit, put his finger on maybe an area or some areas of your life. Maybe you've not been consistent. Maybe you've not been filled with character or whatever. As God has worked in your life, would you come today as we sing and would you get those matters settled and right? And then finally, maybe you'd like to come today as we sing our closing hymn and and make your stand for the Lord as you bow here and maybe in a fresh way. Surrender your life to Christ and say, Lord, here I am. I want to be used by you. I want to be a Christian of character and consistency. And I want to honor you and obey you. Even when the crises come in my life, I want to make sure that Jesus Christ is always preeminent. That's the simple invitation today as we sing our closing hymn. Whether it's salvation, maybe a fresh surrender, maybe getting some things settled or right in your life. The altar is open. In a moment after I pray, we're going to sing that great uh, song, Our God is Greater. And as we sing, I would invite you to come today. No matter your age, no matter where you are here in the building, if you'd step out and come. Come to our great God. Father, thank you for Daniel and his friends. Lord, they faced such challenging things, but you honored them as they obeyed you. You were faithful and they were faithful. What examples they are for us today. I pray for our young people as they face so many temptations and challenges. I pray that you'd help them to be godly. Help them to live for you and make a difference for Christ. Holy Spirit, work in this place now. Do that work only you can do in this invitation time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
The altar is open. Our closing hymn is projected on the screen for you today. Our God is greater. And as we sing, would you come today and do this to the Lord as we sing our God? Would you stand together? Would you come today? 